Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job, here's how. Let's get started. Welcome to episode number 28 of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dunn. I've been helping people get jobs my whole life, apparently. I've been doing this as my profession for the past five years, working in the MBA Career Center at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and now at a really innovative code school in Durham, North Carolina called Momentum. So last month, I was on vacation in Nantucket, which incidentally is just about the best place on earth as far as I'm concerned. I've been going there since I was a kid with my parents, and now taking our children there every summer for a family vacation is my favorite week of the year, especially during COVID when spending a week with cousins and grandparents was a real taste of normalcy. I hadn't realized how much I missed feeling normal. Well, while we were in Nantucket, we had the chance to visit with a family friend that my sister and I grew up with. Her name is Katie also, and she was telling us about her job and how she got started. And she said to me, well, I've been there for 27 years and I got started because you got me an interview. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But it made me realize two things. One, I'm old. (laughs) And two, I really have always loved helping people get jobs and find opportunities. So sit back and let me share with you today how you can put Stephen R. Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People to work for you in your job search. For starters, if you haven't ever read this book, it's time for you to do so. I know we're all familiar with it. Everyone has heard things like start with the end in mind and other Coveyisms. But if you haven't actually read this book cover to cover, you need to order yourself a copy today. What I'm going to talk about will build upon the principles that Covey lays out in the book, but it really won't substitute for reading it. He gets pretty deep in there. And when I say reading it, reading it with a pen in hand so that you are underlying the stuff that speaks to you and you are dog-earing the pages that you'll need to return to. It's that good. I wish you could see my copy of this book. It's got dog-eared pages throughout. Uh, I know it loses its effectiveness if you dog-ear every page, but that's what I've done. And of course, I've underlined stuff and starred stuff. I don't know. I just love this book. So if you're currently employed, you'll find stuff you can use to be better at your job and your life in the book and in our podcast today. And if you're job searching right now, You'll find lots of stuff you can apply to your job search to be more, well, effective. So let's dig in. Covey calls the first three habits private victories because they deal with self-mastery. And he believes private victories must precede public victories. 
But habit number one is be proactive. Covey defines proactivity as, quote, more than merely taking initiative. It means that as human beings, we are responsible for our own lives. Our behavior is a function of our decisions, not our conditions. We can subordinate feelings to values. We have the initiative and the responsibility to make things happen. He goes on to say, and I love this, quote, proactive people carry their own weather with them. Whether it rains or shines makes no difference to them. So by contrast, reactive people only feel well when people treat them well. They've completely given away their power to control their own feelings and therefore their own destiny. Covey says reactive people build their emotional lives around the behavior of others, empowering the weaknesses of other people to control them. Okay, let's pause for a minute to digest this one, because when you hear it, it's true. If your mood or the way you think about yourself depends on how others treat you, you are allowing the worst part of other people, their weaknesses, to dictate how you live and how you feel. Proactive people carry their own weather with them. I love that so much. I had to say it again. Okay, how can we apply being proactive to a job search? Let me count the ways. First, there is the taking initiative part. Of course, in your job search, you must be proactive, reaching out to people to ask for their help with your job search. And FYI, most times you will have to ask twice to get a response. But people are busy and asking twice is the new normal because your job search is just not as important to others as it is to you. So your first request may be put in the file labeled, I'd really like to help this person out, but I'm busy right now. When you ask twice, you get moved from that file to the file labeled, Okay, this person needs my help and they really want this because they're asking me again. I'll do it. <laughs> Would you love to see someone with a file system that had labels like that? Me too. These are just mental files, but I speak the truth here. Be proactive enough to ask twice for the requests that are important to you, particularly in your job search. Now, as a job seeker, you also have to be able to tolerate rejection. And rejection stinks. It hurts if we let it. But if you manage to carry your own weather with you throughout your job search, that rejection will hurt less. If you approach your job search from a place where you are confident in your own value and believe in the unique combination of skills that you have to offer an employer, you would be carrying some pretty sunny and positive weather with you. And when those inevitable emails come that said, we've decided not to move forward with your candidacy, you would realize that this is not a rejection of you personally. It simply means the fit wasn't quite right this time. Or perhaps there was another candidate whose unique set of skills was a more precise match for what they were looking for. And you would not let that email deter you from pursuing opportunities. You might take a bit of time to lean into the suck of not getting that offer, but you'd pretty quickly get back up and get back after it. You carry your own weather with you and it's sunny in your world. Oh, what a great way to live. 
Covey also talks about how proactive people handle mistakes. They, quote, acknowledge it instantly, correct, and learn from it, thus turning a failure into a success. As a job seeker, have you ever made a mistake? Of course you have. We all have. Maybe you were in an interview and you answered a question in a way that made you wish you could have your words back. I've done that. Or something just came out wrong, not quite as you intended. Yikes, you can't get it back. But you can do a debrief with yourself after every interview to evaluate how you performed in that interview. If you made mistakes, think through how you could have answered that question better or prepared better. Be brutally honest with yourself. Own it and spend some time thinking about exactly how you'll do it better the next time. Then, as you write your thank you notes to the people who interviewed you, acknowledge that upon reflection, you would have given a different answer to that question. Doing so makes you thoughtful and responsible for your actions. You are proactive, and that is the first of the seven habits of highly effective people. Let's talk about habit two. Habit two is one you've likely heard of. Begin with the end in mind. It's another habit of private victory because it speaks to self-mastery. And Covey says, quote, to begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. It means to know where you're going so that you better understand where you are now and so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. Again, whoa. So we're encouraged to know what is deeply important to us and to spend our time and energy working on those things that matter most. Relationships, community, family, friends, generosity. If these are the things that are important to you, the things that matter the most to you, then work on them. Spend your time in service of these things. Covey further explains this concept by saying that all things are created twice, meaning that there's a mental or a first creation and a physical or a second creation to all things. Okay, this one I had to read over once or twice to get wrap my head around. But what he says is in our personal lives, if we do not develop our own self-awareness, and do not become responsible for first creations, we empower other people and circumstances to shape much of our lives by default. Basically, the point is have a blueprint, right? Have thought through what it is you want. What's the end goal? What are you looking for in life? And then you'll know the steps you need to take to get there. One way to begin with the end in mind is to create a personal mission statement, which is your own philosophy or creed that's focused on what you want to be, your character, and what you want to do, which are your contributions and achievements. And these are based on the values or principles that will drive you. So that's your homework. Can I give you homework? I'm giving you homework. I want you to craft your personal mission statement. You'll have to carve out some quiet time to think about what's really important to you, about what your values are, what you wanna focus on in your life. If you actually do this, I'm guessing you'll enjoy the process and feel really good about what you've created. So make a note, 
craft your personal mission statement this week. Don't put this off anymore. There are lots of different ways that people put begin with the end in mind into practice to help them be successful. Visualizing a successful sales call is a commonly taught sales technique in which salespeople are encouraged to imagine calling on a client and winning that sale in great detail. Covey mentions that elite athletes, quote, they see it, they feel it, they experience it before they actually do it. So if you get good at doing this, at visualizing what it is you really are after, then being in this situation won't be quite so scary or feel so foreign to you. Let's apply habit number two of begin with the end in mind to your job search. First, outline clear enough goals for your career that you know what kind of job you are looking for. You might think that applying for every job is a good strategy because it's just a numbers game. And if you can get enough job applications out there, surely you'll win the game and get a job. But you won't. It's not a numbers game. It's a matching game. And those are two very different games. You can apply to a million jobs, sitting at home behind your computer, sending out job applications, and resumes into the great big black hole of the internet. But we all know that's not a good use of your time. It's not effective, which is what we're talking about today. What is effective is having a clear goal of the type of job you want to get that makes sense because you have the skill set and the experience that's required to do that job. And then you apply only for those jobs that will satisfy your goal and for which you are in the ballpark on qualifications. I say in the ballpark because I don't want to dissuade you from applying if you have some, but not all of the requirements listed in a job description. It's a not so well-kept secret that the requirements listed in job descriptions are a wish list. And employers make hires every day that don't meet all those requirements. But if your primary job search activity is churning out applications, please reassess, take a day off, draft your personal mission statement and approach your job search from a different angle. Second, you can apply the habit of beginning with the end in mind to your job search by visualizing yourself successfully getting that job. Close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to get up in the morning and get dressed to go to that job. What are you wearing? Are you commuting to the office? or working from home. Will anyone commute again in a post-COVID world? Sorry, that's a whole different subject. Back to your visualization. How does it feel to open your laptop and start working at that job? How has your family adjusted to your new job? Are you working late? Are you having lunch with colleagues? What does it feel like at the end of the day, knowing you've worked hard at this job and made progress today? You can also visualize success in an interview Imagine the scene, you talking with the hiring manager and your future teammates. What kinds of questions do they ask? See yourself answering them confidently and them reacting positively to your responses. As you leave, you shake hands and they let you know they'll be back in touch very shortly with you. You can sense that you wound them and they want to move fast before you accept another job. Now that feels good. 
And that's also going to lessen the stress you feel when you walk into that interview because you have already imagined yourself there. You have already experienced it in your mind. So there you go. Create your success in your mind and then make it happen. Before we leave this habit, I have to share a silly story that our family has been laughing about for years. Our daughter played tennis when she was younger and eventually started playing in tournaments. During one tournament, she was playing against a boy who seemed to pull the score out of midair whenever it was his turn to serve and keep score. So at one point, my daughter calls across the net to him. Can you explain that score? Was my ball out? And he calls back, yes, as if she should have known that. So she says, can you speak louder when you make those calls? I am not hearing you call any of my balls out. And he responds, oh, I called it in my mind. Okay, I almost fell out of my seat laughing. He called them in his mind. And that seemed so reasonable to him. Maybe he had simply begun with the end in mind and envisioned himself winning the match. He was following habit number two, only it wasn't so effective in this case. So remember, if you are beginning with the end in mind, visualizing the positive outcome is only half the game. You then have to go out and make it happen for real people. Make it happen. You can do that. Okay, habit number three. Put first things first. Put another way, it tells us to organize around our priorities. And Covey weaves these first three habits together masterfully by mentioning that, quote, you can't become principle-centered without first being aware of and developing your own proactive nature. That's habit number one. You can't become principle-centered without a vision of and a focus on the unique contribution that is yours to make. Jot that down. As you craft your personal mission statement, be sure you include a line about what you believe you alone can uniquely contribute to the world. That's a good piece of knowledge to carry around with you. That is motivating. Putting first things first means that you are disciplined enough to stay true to that sense of principles, value, and purpose that you identified for yourself. You are managing yourself so well that you will do things that you don't necessarily wanna do in service of your goals and priorities. For example, if you're training to run a marathon, you will have mornings when you don't wanna get up early and go for a long run. But if you're putting first things first, you will summon the discipline to do it anyway because that is the hard work required of you to meet the goal of running 26.2 miles. That's a lot of miles. Covey says putting first things first is not about managing our time, but rather about managing ourselves. You've probably all seen the time management matrix of urgent versus important that is found in the seven habits of highly effective people. I was familiar with that concept long before I even knew that it originated here with Covey. But the idea is that we often spend our time reacting to things that are urgent, but not important, because we haven't taken the time to set our priorities and determine what is actually important to us. Covey says, if we don't practice habit two, begin with the end in mind, 
if we don't have a clear idea of what is important, of the results that we deserve in our lives, we are easily diverted into responding to the urgent. Oh, amen to that. True in our families, our health, our job searches, and true at work for many of us. Essentially, we need to know what is important to us to visualize ourselves achieving that success and then spend the time planning how we'll get there. Okay, planning can be hard to make time to do precisely because it's not urgent. It's one of those important but not urgent activities that you will have to be really deliberate about carving out the time to make happen. Here's the payoff though. Covey says, I believe if you were to ask what lies in quadrant two, those are the important but not urgent activities in the, in the time management matrix, and you were to cultivate your proactivity to go after it, your effectiveness would increase dramatically. Your crises and problems would shrink to really manageable proportions because you would be thinking ahead, working on the roots, doing the preventive things that keep situations from developing into crisis in the first place. Wow, those are Covey's words. That's powerful stuff. So let's relate habit three to your job search. First, there are lots of different things you can be doing as a job seeker. Lots of different activities. You can be researching companies, reaching out to people to talk to them if they work at a company you'd like to work for. You can be networking. You can be reading about your industry, applying for jobs, writing the perfect cover letter, doing an online course to keep your skills sharp, and a million other things. And if you're applying the seven habits to your job search, you will have a clear goal in mind of the job you want to get and you will prioritize your job search activities so you'll remain focused on only doing the important stuff. Here's why this matters. Have you ever gone into LinkedIn to look up someone you want to reach out to only to have an interesting article catch your eye? You click on it, you read about it, you decide you want to learn more and you click on a link in the article, then another one, then another one. An hour later, you look up. You realize how much time has gone by and that you forgot what you were doing in the first place. Okay, I can easily do this. And I know I'm not alone. The internet was designed to get you to do this, to have you spend as much time as possible on every site you click on. And we fall for it when we don't have a really clear compass and focus on what we need to get done. So the planning is critical for your job search. Planning your days and weeks can help you with the discipline to stick with those important activities and put first things first. Covey recommends setting weekly goals that are in line with those longer-term goals you laid out in your personal mission statement. Remember that personal mission statement you're going to write this week? Here it is again. Covey recommends doing this for each of the roles that you play in your life. So, for example, you have goals for your role as an individual, your role as a parent or a spouse, your role as a member of different organizations you're a part of, and your role at your job or your role as a job seeker. Once you've got your weekly goals identified, what you do each day can be dictated by the things you need to do to meet those weekly goals. All right, I know what you're thinking. 
That sounds like it will take a lot of time. That's his point, really. It does take time to lay this all out each week and to prioritize what you'll do each day. But you will get that time back by being focused and doing only the right things. You are organizing your days around what's important for you to accomplish instead of putting out fires. All right, so let's really apply this habit to your job search. Write down your roles and your goals for the week and then build an action plan around them. Let that guide you to spend your job search time on high value activities like connecting with people and having conversations that will help you uncover opportunities that you can get referrals for. Try it for a week. Just give me a week trying this and see if it makes a difference. I am betting that it will. Now we're on to habit four, which starts the habits of interdependence. Those that deal with public victories as opposed to private victories. Habit number four is think win-win. Covey says, win-win is a frame of mind and heart that constantly seeks mutual benefit in all human interactions. Win agreements or solutions are mutually satisfying. With a win-win solution, all parties feel good about the decision and feel committed to the action plan. Win-win sees life as a cooperative, not a competitive arena. Win-win is based on the paradigm that there is plenty for everybody, that one person's success is not achieved at the expense or exclusion of the success of others. Covey's words there. Ah, uh, win-win. Simply a better way to see the world and our place in it. And so many ways that this can apply to your job search. Here's one. I work with students at Momentum Code School in Durham, North Carolina, helping them find jobs as software developers. Often, we have more than one student in the interview process for the same job. You might think they're competing against one another, but I don't see it that way. I recently had two students who were a few rounds deep in two interviews for the same job. And one of them said to me, I'm not sure how well I did on that interview, but if I don't get it, I really hope another Momentum student does. And he wanted that job, but he had the maturity to realize that if he didn't get it and one of his classmates did, that would be a good outcome too. He'd always have a contact at that company if his classmate got that job instead of him. And when future roles came available, he'd have an advocate there. That is win-win rather than win-lose. Or maybe you're in the negotiation stage for a new job. And if you get a job offer, please, please, please negotiate before you accept it. Even if you're happy with the offer, just ask for more because you only get this chance once and you owe it to both parties, you and them, to strike a deal that you are thrilled with. There's a right and a wrong way to approach salary negotiation. The right way is to start off the conversation by saying, I'm excited about this offer and I wanna to talk to you about the compensation so that we can come to an agreement on the offer that we are both really happy with. If you do this, you are setting up a win-win, starting off like that. Both parties share the same goal. 
you're not there to wring every last penny out of them, but you are there to ensure that you are appropriately valued. You'll feel good taking that job if you're being compensated properly and you'll work hard because the money won't be an issue. That is a win-win. Habit number five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Uh, I love this one. All about communication and listening. I'd love to put our politicians through a seven habits course focusing on habit number five on the listening. Okay, back to the topic at hand. Covey talks about, quote, empathic listening, meaning listening with the intent to really understand. If you do this correctly, and it's not easy, it requires that you as a listener get inside another person's frame of reference, that you see the world the way they see the world and understand how they feel. Covey says, quote, you are focused on receiving the deep communication of another human soul. Wow, the deep communication of another human soul. That is very cool. Okay, this one really takes work to develop, especially for someone like me. I tend to jump in with my opinions when people are talking to me about decisions they have to make. So I have been personally really working on this one. Covey says that next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is psychological survival, to be understood, to be affirmed, to be validated, to be appreciated. When you listen with empathy to another person, you give that person psychological air. And after that vital need is met, you can then focus on influencing or problem solving. Let's apply this one to job searching. Say you're in an interview talking to a hiring manager who is describing challenges facing her team. If you listen, really listen, and she realizes that you really understand her challenges, I promise she will be interested in you as a candidate. Covey suggests that you rephrase the content and reflect the feeling back to her so that she feels understood. Once you do that and confirm your understanding of the situation, you might be able to offer some solutions, some new ideas to that hiring manager that could help her solve those challenges. What a way to stand out as a candidate. Most people do not listen deeply or empathically because it's hard. It takes practice. Try this today. Really listen to someone in your life. Then rephrase what they are saying to confirm your understanding and reflect their feeling back to them. See what happens when you do that. Try it with your kids or your spouse. It's magic. Covey knows stuff, y'all. Really, try this. It is very powerful stuff. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Okay, habit six is synergize. And we are flying through these here. There is so much more to the seven habits. But I wanted to just touch on each of them and then talk about how we could apply them to your job search. Like I said, you still have to go back and read the book. It's totally worth it. Okay, habit six, synergize. Synergy, Covey says, 
means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The essence of synergy is to value differences, to respect them, to build on strengths, to compensate for weaknesses. Synergy has become the buzzword, but back when Covey first used it, it really wasn't. That's one of the many things about the seven habits that I really like. It's written in very simple language, and he breaks these concepts down really well. So back to synergy. Synergistic communication means you approach conversations with a sense of excitement and security and adventure, believing the outcome will be significantly better than things were before. You are open to new ideas. Synergy is creative because you're building something new with another person, a new idea. Hey, here's an idea. Let's approach life with this attitude, with a sense of excitement and security and adventure, believing that the outcome will be significantly better than things were before. Let's all try that out and see where that gets us. Covey goes on in this chapter to talk about what he calls the third alternative. The third alternative is a solution that is mutually beneficial and is better than what either party originally proposed. I love this idea. I don't know how many times I've said that in this podcast. I love this idea, but there's so many ideas to love in this book. So this idea is all about two parties working together to find a middle way. It doesn't necessarily mean that either one is compromising, but that together you are combining to create a whole new idea that you've come up with because you're communicating openly, you're listening empathically to each other, and you are seeking a win-win solution. Synergy enables both parties to get what they want and strengthens relationships in the process. Here's an example of synergy at work in a job search. You apply for a job that seems like a good fit. You're excited to be invited to interview, and when you start speaking with the company, they realize that your experience is maybe not as well suited to this role, but in fact, maybe better suited for another role. This happens, folks. I just saw this happen last week with someone I was working with. Together, you then work out the details of this new role, and you wind up taking a job that you never really applied for in the first place. When this happens, it's a total win-win for everyone involved. And it's synergy because for this to occur, everyone has to be open to new ideas and willing to think creatively about where a person might be able to make the biggest impact in an organization. When I saw this happen, the role this person took did not even exist before it was offered to him. It was just an idea being kicked around internally as something this company thought they might want to do in the future. But when this candidate presented himself, the company knew the time was right to start this new group and invite him to be the first person to work in that role. Ah, synergy. Together, they created something new that did not exist before. You gotta love that. Okay, habit seven. Habit number seven is the habit of renewal. It's called sharpen the saw. It's all about, as Covey says, preserving and enhancing the greatest asset you have, you. Yep, you. If you don't take care of yourself, 
and continually work to improve yourself, not much else is going to go right. So Covey cites four dimensions of your nature, physical, social and emotional, spiritual, and the fourth, mental. You have to make time and have a plan to nurture each of these dimensions in order to be sharpening your soul. In a professional context, let's focus on the mental. On the professional side, the skill building side of your nature. Because I see work and education evolving to a point where learning needs to be a continuous thing we do as professionals throughout our lives to maintain our edge and our expertise at work. Now, this doesn't have to mean getting more and more degrees, because today we have at our fingertips lots of different ways to sharpen our saws. We can take online courses, go to conferences, or virtual conferences these days. There are a million different things you can do to deepen your expertise or to develop entirely new ones. In a job search, you want to be able to demonstrate that you are a continuous learner and are continuously sharpening your saw. Make space on your resume for courses that you've done recently. If you haven't done a course recently, put that on your list for this week. Make that one of your goals. You can talk in interviews about what you're learning and about the projects you're doing on the side to increase your skill set. You can keep a journal of your ideas. Every hiring manager is looking for those continuous learners. Practice language that demonstrates that you are a continuous learner. Get comfortable with phrases that talk about how you are always learning something new, always deepening your expertise. This is particularly important if you've been out of the workforce for a while and are returning. Hiring managers want to know that you spent part of that time when you weren't in the paid workforce improving yourself and developing new skills. This is a really attractive quality in a job candidate. Sharpen the saw. Okay, so those are the seven habits. There is so much here, so much to think about. So much to do, so many ways you can apply these seven habits to your job search. And hopefully you are going to have a busy rest of the week writing your personal mission statement, practicing your empathic listening, really applying these seven habits to your job search, applying them to your lives. One of the things I like about this book is that there are frequently places in here where he applies these seven habits to family life. Really good stuff. Now that you know how to apply the seven habits of highly effective people to your job search, go do it. I believe in you. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.